think most of them are up there right now, but if there's any children that like to go to children's church at this time,
Thank you, choir. That was really good. That was really, really good. This morning, if you want to follow along with me, I'll be in three different books of the Bible. I'll be in Deuteronomy, 31st chapter, the 6th verse. We'll be in Isaiah, the 41st chapter, the 10th verse. And we're going to be in Matthew, the 28th chapter, the 20th verse. In Deuteronomy, it says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. In Isaiah 41, 10, it says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And in Matthew 28, 20, says and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age let us pray Heavenly Father we love you this morning and we just ask that you pour out your spirit upon this service open our ears our hearts and our minds to what you have to say this morning and all these things we ask in your name Amen Shelly and I went to a wedding a few weeks ago. It was a nice wedding, but the reception was unlike anything I'd ever seen. Uh, and not the reception itself, it was basic reception. I mean, there was food, dancing, a few toasts. But how we got to the reception was the oddity of the whole thing. You see, when the service was over, you left the church and you drove to the Transportation Museum in Salisbury and then got on a train that took you to the reception. So we were on this train for like 30 minutes and it seemed like we traveled at least 10 miles into the heart of Salisbury for the reception. The whole time we're on the train, we're talking to the couple in front of us. Shelly knows uh, the lady, the guy played golf, so of course we're talking 100 miles an hour. So we're on this train for like half an hour and I'm not really paying attention to how far we've gone or where we've traveled or how far we've traveled. But once we got to the reception, the only way to get back to your car was to catch a trolley. And the trolley ran every 30 minutes. Well, I didn't want to be in Salisbury all night and I hated the idea of being trapped. You know, where you can't get back to your car. And you can't leave when you want to leave and you can't go home when you want to go home. I'm just not a big fan of that. So we finally saw our chance to get on the trolley. And we hopped on to get back to our car. And as soon as the trolley pulled out onto the road, we could see the parking lot in which our car was parked in. We'd been on the train for 30 minutes, but we hadn't traveled more than a quarter of a mile. Basically, we were from here to Wells Fargo from our car. But there was this huge building blocking our view. Um, so once we got onto the road, we laughed at the fact that we could have walked to our car at any given time during the night. But I thought I was 15 miles away. But once we got back, you know, we got into our car and we're driving home, I thought, this will preach. Because how often do we feel like we are so far away from God 
and that we've traveled so far down the wrong path and yet he's right there. He's never moved. Notice I said we've traveled. God's not going to leave us. We're the ones that get on the road and go the wrong way. We're the ones that get on the train and think we've gone forever and we really haven't gone anywhere. He's right there. See, if Shelly and I hadn't been distracted by the couple in front of us, we could have been watching out the window and realized that we had backed up a little bit, moved a little bit, backed up a little bit, moved a little bit, really hadn't gone anywhere. At the reception, they had a cheer wine station. It's Salisbury. They're going to have a cheer wine station, I guarantee you. And this, too, was another distraction, not for Shelly as much as it was for me. They had frozen cheer wine, regular cheer wine, any kind of cheer wine you could think of, they had it. So, and it was at the corner of the building. Had it not been for this cheer wine station, I would have walked past and noticed that our car was right over there. But I couldn't get past the cheer wine station without stopping to get something and then turn around and going back. You see, one of the first messages I did here at Archdale was about the wing, the wing of a plane keeping us from seeing all of God's creation down below, being a distraction. And what was our wing? What was causing us to not be able to see everything that God's doing in our life because we are distracted? See, there was a lot of distractions at this wedding. We, of course, knew the bride, the parents, a lot of the people at the wedding. Not to mention there were three stations to get food. And they had a cheer wine station. I mentioned that, didn't I? They had a cheer wine station. I was a big fan of that thing. Um, ask me later. Ask me later about one of the hors d'oeuvres. Okay, I'll go ahead and tell you about the hors d'oeuvre. It was a huge hush puppy that they kind of gutted out and stuffed with barbecue in it. The best hors d'oeuvre I have ever had at a wedding, by far. But see, all these distractions, even now, this that hors d'oeuvre distracted me from what is most important and that night the most important thing for me was getting home it was a Saturday night it was getting late and we had church the next morning but see it's not only weddings that take away our focus see it's easy this morning to keep our focus on God we're in church we just sing hymns hopefully you went to Sunday school and we're in a meeting with like-minded Christians. We are surrounded by other people that are here to do the same thing we are, and that's to worship God. But keeping our focus on God Tuesday or Thursday afternoon, that's when it becomes difficult. See, when we've stepped away from God, that separation causes us to say things, think things, do things that we normally wouldn't do if we were walking closer with Him. I know this is crazy, but isn't it weird how we act differently around different people? I was playing in the Davidson County Amateur Tournament a few years ago. I was actually pastoring across the street over at Arsdale United Methodist at the time. And I was pastor and I was as their pastor, I was took a weekend off and I was playing in this tournament. It was a two-day tournament, and the second day, I got paired with these three guys I'd never met before. Well, I knew immediately it was going to be a long day. 
from the first shot that they hit, it was going to be a very long day because they cursed every single shot they hit for the first three holes. Even the, I mean, they weren't playing bad either. They were just not, they were just cursing to be cursing. So after about three holes, I decided to drop the old preacher bomb on them. And look, I didn't just walk up and say, hey, I'm a pastor, shut up. I'm sneakier than that. So I waited till we got on the fourth tee and there was a group in front of us so we had to stand there for a little bit. So I asked him, I said, hey, what do you do for a living? That's how you get into it. I said, what do you do for a living? And he's like, hey, I'm, I do this. I'm an accountant over here. I'm, um, and so, of course, they, I knew they were going to ask me. He said, what do you do? I was like, well, I'm the pastor of a Methodist church in Archdale. Immediately, they told me where they went to church. Um, they had an uncle, a cousin, a brother. Everybody, one, there's at least one preacher in their family, you know. Now, I didn't do this to have an unfair advantage. I served four years in the United States Marine Corps. I have cable TV, and I work at a public high school. You can't throw words on me that I haven't heard yet, okay? I just didn't want to hear them for the next four hours. I just didn't want to deal with it. But the inability to curse really messed with them. And their golf swing, apparently, because they couldn't play dead for the next four hours. Now, I could have let them go on cursing all day. I just didn't want to deal with it. But me telling them that I was a preacher, just happened to tell them I was a preacher, stopped it for the rest of the day. And apparently it stopped them from hitting a good shot the rest of the day, although their veins on their forehead really popped out about, about the 14th hole. They about had all they could stand. Um, but don't you think the same would be true for us if we were walking or driving around town with Jesus all the time. I mean, people pulling out in front of us wouldn't elicit the same reaction that we normally have if Jesus were in the passenger seat. The non-use of a blinker wouldn't matter near as much if God was riding shotgun with us, would it? The best we could probably come up was that old southern passive-aggressive thing we love to use. Well, bless their heart. That's our favorite thing to do. <laughs> but here's the thing. I don't know if you were listening this morning when I read our scripture, but Isaiah, Matthew, they both tell us that God is with us. And Deuteronomy tells us that he will never leave us. So if we really get down to it, Jesus is riding with us. He is with us all the time. You've seen the old bumper sticker, Jesus is my co-pilot. Jesus is your co-pilot. You're in the wrong seat. I'll just go ahead and tell you. But when we remember that he is with us all the time and that he never leaves us, our actions are quite different. Quite different. We don't always say the first thing that pops in our head. We don't judge as quickly. We're not as quick to anger. None of this when we realize that God is right beside of us and that he's with us all the time. Now, I've told you before that when I was in high school, I had one set of friends, my high school friends. And in my youth group at church, I had a totally different group of friends because we, none, of my fr none of my church friends went to Trinity. They all went to Thomasville or 
East Davidson or Southern Guilford. But I'm not sure if these two groups ever met during that time and tried to describe me if they thought they were talking about the same person. That's unfortunate. See, but now I have a lot of friends outside this meeting and I have a lot of friends in this meeting and that I would hope that they both see me in the same light now. I would hope that if one group described me to the other group that they would at least have a reasonable idea of who I am. But see, that's not always been the case. Now, for the last 25 years, I spent a lot of time witnessing to the people that I work with. I've invited my friends outside of this meeting to our meeting. The kids that I teach at school and coach at school, they know who I am. But more importantly than knowing who I am or knowing who we are, the people out there know who we are. It's more important that they know whose we are. It's Father's Day, and as a father, we have responsibilities to our children. Scott and I were just talking this morning about how blessed we were to have a couple of the best. But dad and moms have to reflect Christ for our children to see for them to see God in us every day. We need to be a godly example. Now for a lot of us, the children are gone. We've got an empty nest, but that job's not over. They're still watching, they're still listening. And if you've got grandchildren or are looking forward to one day having grandchildren, not real soon, but if you're looking forward to having grandchildren one day, They'll want to see and need to see Jesus in you as well. And what he's done in your life and what he's doing in your life. See, I love this story, and I've, if I've told it before, I apologize, but it deserves repeating. Because it talks about how Jesus works in our lives. But there was a kid coming home from church in the backseat of his parents' car, and he told his mom that the Sunday school teacher said that God was bigger than the entire world. And he said, Mom, the Sunday school teacher just said that God is bigger than the whole world. And the mom turned around and said, Well, honey, that's right. God is bigger than the whole world. And then he said, Well, the Sunday school teacher also said that God lives inside of us. And mom said, well, that's true, honey. God does live inside of us. And the little boy got quiet for a little while and then thought about it. And then he said, Mom, if God is bigger than the whole world and he lives inside of us, shouldn't he show through? Yeah, he should show through. People should be able to see God in us and everything that we do and everything we say and how we live our lives. This week, let's let him show through. Let's have a time of open worship. This morning, Becky and Shelly were nailed it on the head when they said that there's, you don't have to have kids to be a 
at least be a mentor. I, I, there's people looking up to you. I mean, right here in this church, like I said, me and Scott had two of the best I can remember. But, I mean, there's other people that we've looked up to. Think about the people, not just my father that's mentored me, but Mr. Andrews. I always looked up to him. You know, Jack, Lloyd, several that we've always looked up to. You can think about the guys, the men that, there's a reason you're sitting in that pew. Somebody got you here, whether it was a mom or a dad. There was a, there was a person that mentored you and that you respect and that you look up to. You know, even in the church, Coach Spell, look up to Joe. People are still looking up, right? Every day. Let's stand for our benediction.